an impartial church. Will you say that? An impartial church. When I say church, I'm talking about the ecclesia or the ecclesia, and it simply means the assembly, the called out ones, those who have been called out from the world or called out by God from the world only to go back into the world to infect or influence the world for God. So they're the ones who are called out from the world only to go back into the world to influence the world for God. So we're talking about uh, not just the individual church, but the church as a whole, talking about those who are bearing the name of Jesus, those who have declared that Jesus is the Lord of their lives. We're talking about a church, again, that's not biased. We're talking about a church that is fair. We're talking about a church that believes in equality. <laughs> We're talking about a church that's not discriminating. We're talking about a church that's not bigoted. And as I stated on last week, much of what you see today has to do with the church or the early church. That is, in, uh, uh, things have been perpetuated throughout, through the years, but the church not doing its share or its responsibility in promoting the truth of God's word. And if things are going to change, those of us who are a part of the body of Christ we got to begin to do our part. Amen. Now, uh, last week in Matthew chapter number five, and I just want to skip down to verse 16, but we talked about how the church, Jesus calls us to be the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its flavor or its purpose, uh, it, it's no longer good. And that's what has happened. The church has lost its flavor. The church somewhat still has its head buried under the sand, particularly dealing with racism. And if you believe that there are no racist Christians, beloved, you are sadly mistaken. And we talked about getting that darkness out of us. And, and, and just let me say this. Um, it, it still exists in the church. But again, those of us who are believers, we can do something about it. Amen. But the church has lost its flavor. And listen, and the reason why it's such a touchy and sensitive subject in the body is because the church fails to deal with it. We want to push it under the rug. We just want to set meetings, but not necessarily have meetings. And then when we do have meetings, we have to stop uh, looking at African-Americans or those who want to voice their side as being tyrants and, and, and being troublemakers and, and you're just creating trouble. No, 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 no. These are real issues that must be dealt with. And listen, it, my father pastored in the church of, uh, of the large church, let me say that, for over 50 plus years. And I remember as a young boy and as a young adult of hearing the stories. And it's, this is not all. But, but, but it, it can't be that when we stand up for truth, we're looked at as troublemakers. And I'm telling you, church, you have to, you have to listen to what we're saying. Oh, yeah. Are you here? But the church has lost its flavor. Just let me say this. 
thank God for apologies uh, and crying, but this is deeper than apologizing for your forefathers and much deeper than crying. <laughs> and, and, and not just apologizing for your uh, uh, forefathers' mistakes or bad behavior, but we must do a self-introspection and ask ourselves, did that bigotry, <laughs> did it take hold, did it take root in me? See, I can apologize for my father, but yet ignore the racism that still exists in me. Verse 16, let your light shine before me in such a way that they may see your what good deeds and more excellence and recognize and honor and glorify your father, which is in heaven. And we took note of that word moral. But before then, I also stated, or the word of God rather declares that that light that should be emanating through us is Jesus. <laughs> so we can't do this in our own strength. Again, the weapons of our warfare are not corner, but they're mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. And we've seen that the utensils that God uses always bring about victory. Are you with me? And listen, beloved, there are principalities and powers, wickedness in high places that we're dealing with. And we cannot do this with the wisdom of men. We need the intelligence. The ingenuity, the creativity, the wisdom, the person, the power of Holy Spirit. Are you with me? So Jesus said, and this is John 8, 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. So that light that should be exuding, if you will, through us is the light of Jesus. Are you with me? He who follows me shall not walk in darkness. We talked about getting that darkness, those things. That's not of God. We, we need to weigh ourselves, do like the psalmist. Lord, create in me a clean heart and renew the right spirit within me. And again, some of this stuff was forced on people against their will, being that they were just in an environment. And when you are young and especially during those impressionable years, it's almost like, man, you can't do anything about it. Then. But as you get older and realize that it's there, now you have the responsibility to deal with it. Are you here? Now, notice verse 16 said that they may see your moral excellence. Moral has to do with, moral has to do with principles and rules. Listen to this. Of right conduct or the distinction between right and wrong. Ethical. It's, it, see, when I allow... Jesus to shine in me, I'm going to do what's right, what's ethical, even if it goes against what daddy and mama taught me, even if it goes against what this particular organization that I'm a part of have taught me. If I'm a follower of Jesus, I have a moral responsibility to do the right thing. Are you here? We see in the first John, you can write this down, first John five, uh, first John one, five through seven. Uh, of course, that uh, Jesus lets us know. Well, let, let me read. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light, there it goes again, and him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him, with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. 
So if I know that there's some bigotry in me and I don't deal with it, I'm a liar and not telling the truth. Whether you are white bigot, black bigot, yellow bigot, brown bigot, green bigot. Are you here? But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus is uncleansing us from all sin. Now, then we said racism. We, we talked about racism. We said that race, and listen, there are many ethnicities, but there is one race. That's the human race. We talked about how racism or race is a false classification of people that is not based on any real accurate biological, biological or scientific truth. In other words, the distinction we make between races has nothing to do with scientific truth. As I stated last week, race is a political construction. And a political construction is something created by people. That is, watch this, it's not a natural development. It's taught. It's inbred. It, it, it's, it's constructed or created for a political purpose. Are you here? So the concept of race was created as a classification of humans. Watch this. The, the concept of race was created as a classification of human beings with the purpose of giving power to white people and to legitimize the dominance of white people over non-white people. Plain and simple. Are you here? And, and listen, this is not about, this is about being pro-truth. <laughs> Are you here? This, this, this is about being pro-truth, because at the end of the day, God doesn't make an issue out of color. People do. As a, and if you want to get technical, God is a spirit. And you, you have to remember that we were created in the, after his image and his likeness. He is a spirit. You're, we're nothing more than dust. We came from dust. And that's where you're going to go back to, except you be caught up to meet the Lord. Are you here? Being that you're here when he comes. We just need this earth suit, if you will, to live in this three-dimensional world. But the real you is a spirit. That's why in Christ there's neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female. We're all one in Christ. Are you with me? So, uh, uh, but the concept of race was, was created again as a classification of human beings with the purpose of giving power to white people and to legitimize the dominance of white people over non-black people. And then and, and, and go back and do your research and homework. But the reason slavery could exist, and this is where the church came in, is because the church gave its approval for slave owners to practice slavery while at the same time calling themselves Christians. Are you here? This is a major reason why many people of color, and we talked about this last week, this is a major reason why a lot of people of color, they often refer to Christianity or the, or, or the gospel as a white man's gospel. And I showed you clearly, walked you through scripture on last week, that, that, that it, it, it's for the white man, but it's, the gospel is not the white man's gospel. It's the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. It's for all men. Are you here? And, and, and notice 
And I'll just show you just a couple verses concerning that. Early believers were known as followers of the way. Followers of Yahweh. The way I showed you that. But if we're going to be the salt of the earth, the light of the world that Jesus called us to be, the church can no longer ignore the racial, ethnic, and color issues that face all humanity. While sitting back and watching the unlearned use the Bible to disenfranchise and subjugate people for their own selfish gain, we can no longer sit back and watch this take place. So that means that, that we have to start speaking up in meetings, standing up in meetings, even if it means being outcast. It's my moral responsibility as a follower of Jesus to do the right thing. And me personally, I'm not interested in tears and apologies. I'm interested in us getting to the bottom, getting to the root. Problem. So the Western Christian narrative has to change. And one reason that racism, racism continues in the United States is because the church has been apathetic to it. Again, it's, it's not a big deal. Listen, whatever the denomination... You have a moral responsibility to do the right thing, whatever the denomination. <laughs> Again, there's only one race, and it's called the human race. Listen, I said this last week. God is not partial. God is not a racist. So where did it come from? And I showed you last week, again, that, that believers were known as uh, believers were known as followers of what the way. I'm just gonna give you one verse today. Go back on last week's video. You can see it. But and, and I want to make a point here. In Acts 24, we see Paul before Felix, and this is what he said during his trial before Felix. Paul said, "But I admit that I follow the way, which they call a cult. I worship the God of our ancestors, and I firmly believe the Jewish law and everything written in the prophets." Uh, now, now, watch this. Notice he said, I admit I follow the way, which they call a cult. Don't consider it strange, beloved, when people call you or Christianity a cult. They've been doing this from the first century. <laughs> Are you here? Christianity is not the white man's gospel. Men postulated that lie. Now, now watch this. Just like they postulated that lie, it, it's no different than when Jesus got up and the tomb was empty. And the guards, when they went before the elders, the elders paid the guards to tell a lie saying, hey, uh, uh, I'm going, we're going to pay you to say that his disciples came. And stole his body. Watch this. And the scripture says that that lie, people still believe that to this day. Are you here? <laughs> and, and, and see, may I say this? Well, well, let me give you this first. Second Peter 1, 20, 21. 
knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man. See? It never came by the will of man. But holy men of God spoke as they were moved by Holy Spirit. So as God breathed on holy men of God, they wrote as he spoke. One author, many penmen. 2 Timothy 3, 16 amplified. All scripture is God breathed, given by divine inspiration, and is profitable for instruction, for correction of sin, for correction of error, and restoration of obedience, for training in righteousness, learning to live in conformity to God's word, with both publicly and privately behaving honorably, personally, here it go, uh, in moral courage. See, we, we need to use the truth of God's words to stand on this, what we're speaking about and stand against racism. Are you here? So men wrote as God spoke. Now, now let me ask you this, because here's the thing. And, and if we're talking about the truth, what does it matter what color the man was? If it's the truth, if you're about to die and need a physician, does it matter what color is or you just want to be healed? Then let me ask you this. What philosophy are you adhering to? See, here's the thing. You're either basing your philosophy on your own, your own ideology, the philosophy of other men, perhaps an angel, Are God-inspired. So where are you getting your philosophy? You're following some man's philosophy. And, and let me tell you, if it's not God-inspired, the Bible calls it doctrines of demons. No matter how eloquent, how truthful it may sound, if it's not God-breathed, it's nothing more than the error of men and doctrine of demons. A, a doctrine is a teaching or set of principles. That's how, that's how doctrine is. Doctrine, it, it just means teachings or principles. Watch this. The doctrines of demons, then, are things that demons teach. How are, somebody might want to say, well, pastor, how are the doctrines of demons disseminated or propagated? How are these teachings disseminated or propagated? They are delivered through human instructors. Let me show you. 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2 ERV. The Spirit clearly says that in the last days, some would turn away from the truth, from what they believe. They will obey spirits that tell lies. And they will follow teachings of demons. Here it go, right here in the Word. Those teachings come through people who tell lies and trick others. That's why you have to know this Word. And stop being pro-color and being pro-truth. These evil people cannot see what is right and what is wrong. It is like their conscience has been destroyed with a hot iron. Even, even with, you know, the, the black this, the black. Man, man, follow the truth. Watch who you are listening to. Because a lot of, the, even some of these groups are teaching nothing more than hate. That's not the God we serve. And, and, and just let me say this. The concealing of truths 
and, con- and the contortion or contorting of scripture by racist white people actually validates the Bible's authenticity. The mere fact that you're not being truthful with me, the mere fact that you held things that are, uh, and contorted things, that that's actually putting uh, uh, validation to the truth of God's word that you did not tell me the truth. As a matter of fact, if the white man wrote the Bible, why even put anything about blacks in it anyway? Just leave blacks out altogether. So, 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 so what they did was conceal the truth about blacks in the Bible. There's one race, guys, the human race. Listen, the business of slavery in America was oppression and degradation of the black race fostered by the idea of white supremacy. Watch this. And listen to all my white brothers and sisters in the faith and friends or whatever. Listen, if you're about truth, then you will see where my heart is. This is not about black. This is about truth. And just for the record, I'm no longer concerned about the opinions of men. I have a moral responsibility to teach the truth. Because I have to stand before God, not you. But I love you. The business of slavery in America was oppression and degradation of the black race fostered by the idea of white supremacy, which itself stems from the concept. Listen to this now because I'm going somewhere. Which it stems from the concept that God is white. Adam was white. Abraham was white. Jesus was white. And that everyone else of any significance in the, of any significance in the Bible was white. <laughs> so our traditional concept of Jesus is brunette and blue eyes. So, so, so all the our concept of the apostles, not ours, but people who were taught the concept of the apostles of Jesus were, were Eurocentric. Everybody was. So an untruth, guys, <laughs> an untruth was promulgated many years ago to make it look as if God is white. See, again, that was another lie that, that sent a false message to white people and to people of color around the world. It has contributed to, to whites feeling superior and others feeling inferior because white is right. And anything that's not white it's not quite right. <laughs> this was handed down. <clears throat> and I'm not making light of it. The law, listen, this law gave the justification to enslave and put down people who are not white. And I told you before, early on, when that slavery began, at one time, African Americans and Indians were considered people who were not who did not possess souls, man. But, but what was handed down is antithetical to what the Bible tells us. Directly opposed what's written. And, and I said this last week, no one ethnic group is more superior over another, man. Acts 17, 24 through 25. Give me a little time. Give me about 40. I want you to stay 
with me at least for 45 minutes. Acts 17, 24 through 26. God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of the heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. Nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. Let me read verse 25 again. Nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. Just let me say this. The Lord is the life giver. So who am I to feel like I have the right to take the breath of another human being? Watch this. Not in response to the safety of my personal well-being, but because I feel like I can do it. Are you here? Verse 26. And he, talking about God, has made from one blood, or literally one man, Every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth. And he has determined their pre-appointed times and boundaries of their dwellings. I want to read verse 26 again from the ERV. God began, God began by making one man. And from him he made all the different people who live everywhere in the world. He decided exactly when and where they would live. Do y'all see this? One blood. So when we get to Adam, we're really, Adam, we're really talking about why they had to be of a certain color whereby all races or colors or variation of colors could be produced through him. But that's, a, that's another teaching. But, but that word nation, of course, is the Greek word ethnos, which means a, the nations or every ethnic group, a race, every ethnic group. So from one blood, we get every ethnic group. And, and just let me say this, and if we're all made from one blood, how can black blood be tainted and white blood be pure? If we're all made from one blood, why is black blood inferior to any other color of blood? There's one blood. So if, if, if white blood is pure, black blood is pure. Red, yellow, blue, and green. Are you here? Of course, notice through one man, talking about Adam. Then, now, there was a flood. Noah's sons was commanded to repopulate the earth. And we find this, of course, in Genesis. And just write this down. From Ham, we get the father of the black color group. And from that came a total of 30 separate nations. That's Genesis 10, 6 through 20. From Shem. We see the father of the somatic or yellow uh, color group, which include Jews, Arabs, Middle Eastern, uh, Asiatic people. Uh, and from him and from Shem came 27 separate nations. That's Genesis 10, 21 through 31. Then from Japheth, the father of the white or Caucasian color group, which include the uh, Germanic peoples of Northern Europe, came a total of 15 separate nations. What did you find that in Genesis chapter 10, verse 2 through 5? Two through five. Now, 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 now watch this. Then in verse Genesis, in, in Genesis 10, 32, the scripture says, these were the families of the sons of what? Nor, according to their generations, their nations. And from these, the nations were divided on the earth after the flood. 
And guess where they come from? Of course, it all goes back to Adam, one blood. Now, let me get this in. We come to a stopping place. We're talking about the truth now. So we just discovered so far that every ethnicity came from what? One blood. Now, let's look at the question, where did the human race begin geographically? So let's look at that. Let's talk about that. Where did the human race begin geographically? Genesis chapter number 2, beginning at verse 7 through 10. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. There you go. Listen, you're a spirit, man. So, so, so let's not be, be proud of your heritage. Your heritage. Be proud of your complexion. Be proud of who you are. But, but, but this exterior is not the real you. It's a dust suit. It's an earth suit. Go dig up a corpse that's been dead for some time. And you probably can't distinguish one from another because that's not the real you. And the Lord God formed a man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and, became, and he became, man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden. Thank you, Holy Spirit. He says, slow down. Let me slow down. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree to grow that is pleasant to sight, to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge and good and evil. Verse 10. Now a river went out of Eden, someone say Eden, to water the garden. And from there, it parted and became what? Four riverheads. Note, take a note, that the scriptures does not say that the river went out of the Garden of Eden. It says the river went out of Eden. Not, of the, not out of the Garden of Eden, but the river went out of Eden. Therefore, we know that Eden was a geographical area larger than a garden that was in it. It also tells us that Eden was the source of the river. Look at verse 11. The name of the first is Pison. It is the one which skirts the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. Someone say Havilah. Say it again. Take note. This tells us that the river Pison ran along the outside edge of... Where are you getting this? No, no, I'm just saying, not in a braggadocious, arrogant way. But where are you getting this? And how, how are you getting this? I, I love the way my bishop said, because I can read. This tells us that the river Pison went along the outside edge of Havilah. Reviewing verse 11, and, and let's continue through verse 13. Look at what we learn. Uh, verse 11, the name of Pison... The, excuse me, the name of the first is Pison. It is the one which skirts the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. 
It used to be. Well, it might still be some, let me say. Uh, and the goal of that land is what? Good. Delium, the onyx, and, uh, stoner there. Verse 13, the name of the second river is Gion. It is the one which goes around the whole land of Cush. Someone say Cush. So you remember Havilah and you remember Cush. Let's look closely at the word Cush. In the traditional King James, the word Cush, hold on, hold on. In the traditional King James, the word Cush is translated Ethiopia. So we know that the land of Cush today is called Ethiopia. Hmm. Let's read verses 14 and 15. The name of the third river is Hittical. It is the one which goes toward the east of Assyria. The fourth river is the Euphrates. Verse 15. Then the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. Now, Adam is not to keep Eden, but the garden of Eden. How interesting that in describing the garden of Eden, the name Havilah and Cush or Ethiopia are mentioned. I don't think that was by happenstance. That really don't to me seem like a white man's gospel if he was not for the blacks that he would even insert this in the scripture. Write this down. Havilah was a son of Cush who was a son of Ham. Y'all remember Ham? Since Ham was a black man, Cush had to be black. And Cush's son also had to be black. Talking about Havilah. Now, 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 now I show, the reason why I wanted to show you where all the different ethnies, how they uh, came through uh, Shimham and Japheth is because you know, it's not my argument that everyone in the entire Bible is black. We, we know there was different shades of people. So I'm not talking to, I'm not trying to do like some others did who, and make it all black. Okay? And we know that's not the case. Are you here? I'm just saying in all fairness to the facts found in the Bible, they contradict what a large part of the white church and society have been saying that everybody's white. Now, let me say this real quick. On, and many of you have probably heard this. Let me, let me on the, the part about Ham. And this is true. Liars have said that Ham was cursed with blackness. Slave owners said that black skin was a curse. But the Bible never says that black skin is a curse. So where are you getting this from, preacher? Sir, ma'am. Listen, y'all know the story. When uh, Noah's sons, he had got drunk. Hey, you preach as long as he did. And, and, and the stresses that I'm sure he was dealing with. Hey, and, and watch this for, for all you self-righteous Christians. At that time, th th there was no law against getting no. drinking. There was nothing wrong. You probably would have done it. 
probably tipsy now. God loves you. Hey, it's your thing. But but once uh, notice Shem and Japheth, what when Ham uncovered his nakedness, he told his brothers. But his brothers, of course, y'all know the story, covered him up. But now when when Noah came to and discovered what had happened, he levied a curse on Canaan. And we can talk about that too. One of Ham's sons. He said, curse be Canaan. Look at verse Genesis 9, 29. The lowest of slaves, he would be to who? Let, let me show you this. 9, 25. You hear? Then he said, curse be Canaan. A servant of servants, you would be to your brothers. Not the white man to your brothers. Are you here? Then let's let, let's dispel this lie. Noah, not God, cursed Canaan. Noah did that. Oh, boy, y'all. Are you here? So so Noah, not God. Cursed Canaan, not Ham. Do you hear? And, and watch this. In literal terms, there is no such thing as a curse of Ham. Do your research. Do your study. There's, there's no such thing as the curse of Ham in the Bible. Canaan, not Ham, was predicted to become a slave to his brothers. It was right here in the scripture. And, 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 and if you do your study, many of Ham's descendants were never slaves. Never. Listen to this where the slave masters got it. Invoking the curse of Ham was a tactic developed during the rise of the Atlantic slave trade in an effort to justify forced racial-based slavery. So the talk of the curse of Ham was especially prevalent in the United States leading up to the Civil War. Just, just like under Jim Crow, interracial marriage, it, they forbade interracial marriage. That lie, that devil crept up into church. So you have preachers of a different ethnicity against interracial marriage. That was a lie. The curse. Watch this. Watch this. Then somebody talked about when you dispel that lie, they say, well, he was cursed Cain. You remember when Cain killed his brother? Then some said, the Lord cursed him with blackness. Where are we getting? The curse on Cain was on Cain himself. Nothing is said about curses Cain continuing to his descendants. Besides, now, even when you study your scripture, and you find this in Genesis 4.15, the, actually the curse on Cain was to protect Cain and should be considered a mitigation of the curse, not the curse itself. 
And the Lord said, therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him. So in other words, we talking about, why would the Lord mitigate it? Are you here? In fact, when we talk about all of this, curse this one, curse that one, the Garden of Eden was in the land that the Bible associates with black people, Cush and Havilah. So if these people were cursed, why would it be associated with the Garden of Eden where there were? Now, here's a side note for your learning, and I'm getting to a stopping place. Yeah, I'm right here at a stopping place. This is a side note. One of Ham's other sons was Mizraim. And the word Mizraim in the Hebrew language translates to the English word Egypt. Egypt. So if Ham was black and his son Mizraim was black and Mizraim means Egypt, then the people of Egypt also must have been black. In spite of the lies purported in the movies, TV, some of these places, nativity scenes, and, and, and just let me say, the, the one reason why I never watch that mess on TV is because they're not giving us what the people really look like. Even, even, even and we, we travel to a lot of places, some of these places have these little, where you go and experience, the Jesus experience, and I never even thought about taking my kids because everybody is Caucasian. And, and see, that's giving a subliminal message that... And my thing, it, it, I'm not, and, and I mean this and I love, I'm not interested in, in doing a, a, a walkthrough or tour or whatever if you're not interested in depicting how the characters really look and what they were like in the Bible. That's just my opinion. Are you here? And I close with this. Where is Egypt located? On the continent of Africa. So we know from a biblical perspective that the Garden of Eden was in Ethiopia on what later became known as the black continent of Africa and that the Egyptians, also Africans, were black. Listen, again, my job is about being ardent, or devoted to telling the truth. Again, am I saying all, every person in the Bible is black? No. And, and, and we know through Shem, Ham, and Japheth that there, uh, there was different shades of colors. And, and, and I'm going to end with this. Then Adam, Adam, simply means to be ruddy or reddish. There is even a lie that some preachers you, you know, say that he was a white man and, and when he would blush, he would turn red. Where did you get that lie? <laughs> See, it sounds funny, but people believe this nonsense. But, but just to give you a nugget, if you take two, just say two blacks, and they keep procreating, 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 they will only get more blacks. If you take two whites, two Caucasians, and they keep procreating, procreating. They won't, they won't only have white people. 
But if you take two individuals whose genetic code is an interracial code, you can get from the blacks of black to the whitest of white through those individuals. Now, now hold, hold up. And I'm saying that to simply say, Adam and Eve had to be of a different color. And in Adam and Eve came all the variations. Well, what color were they? Tune in next week. Come on, let's give the Lord a shout of praise. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to make a donation and support this ministry as we expand the kingdom of God, please visit ShekinahGloryFC.com or download our church app from iTunes App Store or Google Play by searching Shekinah Glory FC and click Give to make your donation.